Okay, let's try that and see if that makes a difference. If not, let me know. We'll turn it up more. Okay. So um, let's start at the bridge, and then we'll go into verse 3. You are perfect in all of your ways. Welcome you back. We're going to be in the book of 1 Timothy today. 1 Timothy chapter 2. In your New Testament there. And so I'll let you get there. So did you all survive Black Friday? How many did Black Friday? You actually went to a brick and mortar store and you did Black Friday. Okay, got a couple of you. With online shopping, that seems like it's kind of... You went? All right. You waited till nighttime. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was those days where they'd open up the store and people were lined up and they'd trample each other, right? And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the online thing is kind of uh, taken away from that a little bit. All right. First Timothy 2, 1 through 4, uh, entitled The Message, Prayer That Moves Heaven and Earth. So I uh, trust you had all a good Thanksgiving. Uh, last week we looked at 2 Thessalonians chapter 5. That was one of Paul's letters to the church in Thessalonica. He writes two books to them. Uh, today is another letter of Paul's. It's called 1 Timothy. So Paul would have three letters. He writes 15, but he has three letters that are um, called pastoral epistles. So an epistle is a it's a big term for a letter, okay? We just can't call it a letter. We have to call it an epistle, right? It was a letter written to the church or believers. Some of them were to a specific church. Some of them were more circular. They would pass it around. Of course, they are all, um, we read them and they are part of our scripture right now. So, um, so there's three books that are called the pastoral epistles, and that is First and Second Timothy and Titus. Uh, Timothy and Titus would be kind of like spiritual sons uh, to Paul. He would mentor them. They would be part of his ministry. So Paul would go and do the startup in a lot of these places on his missionary journeys that we looked at in the book of Acts. And then often, uh, Timothy and Titus would follow up and they would pastor these congregations. So Timothy, um, when he writes 1 Timothy, he is in the city of Ephesus. So a very large city. It is one of the larger churches that we probably see in the New Testament time. It would in, impact that whole a- area of Asia, which is now modern-day what? I think I maybe heard it. It is modern-day Turkey, all right? And so and if you look at history, uh, there would be those uh, wars that would take place, and so then it was more populated by um, uh, the Islamic uh, people that had come up from northern Egypt and there was battles, there was crusades, all that type of stuff happens in that area. Um, but uh, Ephesus is, is still can be there, but it's more ruins now uh, than a, a city, all right? But Paul writes to Timothy, he's in Ephesus, and so he's, he's helping Timothy to know how to pastor this congregation. And so our passage today talks about prayer and how... Timothy should lead this congregation in the matter of prayer, all right? And so that's where we're going to begin today. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is able to guide and direct us. It is the living word of God. And so, Lord God, we just invite your Holy Spirit here this morning. 
uh, to accomplish your work in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Praise God. Let's look at verses 1 through 4 of 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Everybody say, all people. For kings, all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. All right. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. So what, are these, what do we learn from these verses? It's just a short passage here, but let's break it down a little bit. What do we learn about prayer from um, this passage? First of all, we learn that prayer comes in various forms. When we use that term prayer, it, it can be used in a lot of different ways, right? And so Paul gives us a, gives us a few of those options there. First of all, it comes in the form of Petition. So he, he urges us, earnestly requests, this is another way to say that, to pray in different ways. First of all, it's petitions. So I don't know if you use that word petition. Usually when we use that word petition, it is used in the sense, hey, I'm passing around a petition, right? Right? And they'll meet you at a business or the post office, right? And they want you to sign a petition. A petition is to bring an urgent or um, earnest request to God. Um, so we do that in times, maybe a tragedy has happened, something unexpected has come up, and we come before God with our urgent requests. God wants us to come before Him, right? In Hebrews, God says, come boldly before the throne of grace that we may receive help in our time of need. So God doesn't want us just to carry those things around. He wants us to come before Him in those times when we are um, anxious in our heart, when things happen outside of our control, He wants us to come before Him with our urgent request, a petition, right? He wants us to come before Him and to have that sense of that God loves us, that we are welcome, that He's extending His grace and His mercy towards us, and that He cares about our urgent requests that we bring before Him. So that is a petition. He also says, prayers. Now, prayer is more of a general term, and so it can be uh, the form of a petition or request, but it's not as urgent. So it maybe is more those times of fellowship or talking with God. And so often we'll talk about your devotional time. What do we mean about devotional time? That's a term that we've used to say, hey, I'm maybe reading scripture and I'm spending some time in prayer. And we call it devotions, I guess, because it is a symbol of our devotion to God, right? It's a spiritual discipline in our lives where we're coming before Him. And I, I can't um, emphasize enough the importance of that, not only in your own life, but also in the life of your family. Um, some of the things that I remember growing up is my mom or my dad having a devotional time before we would head off to school. Okay, and I, I, I know what it's like sending off, time, sending off kids to school when they're younger. It's a little more consistent once they get into high school and stuff. They're going they're, you know, different times. But we had that time where my mom would read something and, and when we would pray and then we'd, we would go, right? You remember those times. Do I remember her prayers? No, I probably don't remember all the prayers and I probably don't remember all the things that she read. But I remember the discipline. And I remember the practice of doing that and coming before God. Um, and, you know, and 
going through school, those are definitely up and down years. There's things that happen in your life, whether it is uh, good things or whether it's, you know, you you find out you didn't make the team or you find out, uh, you know, there's challenges. There's definitely temptation that is there. And those times of prayer, I believe, really helped to keep me uh, serving God. Not that I was perfect by any means, but it helped me to walk with God even in some tough times. All right? So those prayer times of just fellowship with God and communion with Him, much as we would our best friend, right? Um, if, if somebody is our best friend, you cannot have a relationship with them unless you talk with them, communicate, and, and connect with them. And definitely that's a good thing in marriage, okay? Everybody say amen there. All right? Number three is intercession. 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 What does interceding mean? Interceding means that I am not just praying about my own needs, but I'm praying for what? The needs of others. I'm standing in the gap for somebody else. Um, Maybe they know God, maybe they don't know God, right? But I'm standing in the gap for them to, maybe it's for their salvation that they come to know God. Maybe there's a health issue that we're praying about. Maybe it's just your kids, right? You know, you just don't pray for your kids when they're in the house. You pray for them after they leave the house, right? So you're maybe praying for family, your parents. You're praying for our world. Does our world need a little bit of prayer right now? It does, doesn't it? Um, in different parts of the world. We're going to talk a little more about that. But it is in interceding for them and interceding for people that, uh, that don't know Christ. Um, in, in some places of the world, I mean, you hear it's hard to miss Christianity and to hear the mess, not hear the message of Christ, but there's even people in our own nation that really haven't had a relevant um, presentation of the gospel. Maybe in their language, um, maybe by somebody that is meaningful in their life. Um, it even happens in our nation. But even more so in some of the parts of the world where um, they just there's not the Christian influence there. And we've had missionaries here that have talked about that um, for some people in some countries, they may never come in contact with another born-again believer that believes in Christ. All right, And so they may never know unless they go on the Internet or some other means Uh, some literature that they come across, uh, they may never have that opportunity to hear about Christ. And so we pray for unreached people, Um, all right, and troubled areas of our world. And then the last one is Thanksgiving. So we just got done, uh, right, with Thanksgiving, right? And, you know, Thanksgiving isn't something that we're supposed to do just once a year, right? It is something that should be part of our daily, actually, our daily prayer life is that every day we should, part of our prayer time should be just thanking God, all right? Um, Whether it is for the gift of salvation, whether it's just that you have a roof over your head and food on the table, we take that for granted. Um, We have some homelessness here in Nebraska. You'll see it more so up in Lincoln. We even see it here off and on um, in Crete. Uh, When I was down in Springfield a week and a half ago, there's just a lot more homelessness there. And I, I uh, met a guy for coffee before I headed home on Friday morning. And I saw a guy coming out from underneath um, the highway as the underbridge, you know, the overpass. And he came out from under there. He had a tarp that he was taking and rolling up. And I thought, you know, that's how he spent the night was sleeping underneath that bridge. 
And I don't know if he was going someplace to work that, uh, but he was wrapping it up and heading someplace else. Um, they definitely have a, a much greater homeless problem down there just because the weather is a little bit nicer. Um, it can accommodate that a little bit more, but um, be thankful. That's where I'm going with that. Be appreciative of what God has done for health and the many things that we can sometimes take for granted. That isn't there again. That isn't something we should do just once a year, but it should be daily. It keeps our heart in the right place of thanking God. So there are many prayers for every occasion, isn't that, isn't that good? So we got petitions, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving. And so the question may be is, who or what should we pray for? Who or what should we pray for? Right? If we're going to pray, what should we be praying for? So um, point number two is that prayer is focused on many types of people. And so first of all, we are to pray for who? Well, you skipped over one, Georgia. <clears throat> Yes, all people, right? All people. You know, and that's a broad term, isn't it? All people. Who does that include in your life? That's, I mean, it could be fellow believers. It could be family. It could be people without the hope of Christ. It could be people of different ethnicities. It could be the neighbor across the street. It could be the neighbor across the street that you don't like. It could be the coworker at work that you don't like. Right? They're in that all people. And we may think that that all people, we, we, we get that, right? But I can guarantee you that sometimes we, we, we kind of think that all people are certain people that we like, right? And so for the Jewish people, God's plan was that God so loved the world and that he, the plan of salvation was for all people, okay? That was very clear. But as you go through the book of Acts, we saw that the Jews had to be reminded. Peter's saying, hey, I can't go to the Gentiles. They're unclean. I'm not going to go to them. God has to give him a vision three times to say, hey, I want you to go to Cornelius' house and to share Christ with him. And then they, are, they receive the gospel. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of like, oh, God's plan of salvation is also for the Gentiles. And see, sometimes we... we yeah, we're supposed to pray for all people, but are we truly praying for all people or just people that we think are worthy to be put in that category? In our world right now, there's people that, whether it's categories, maybe it has to do with the religious beliefs or where they live in the world, the color of their skin, some people may be more worthy of our prayers than others. And I, I know that that maybe sounds a little prejudiced, but sometimes we have to examine our own heart, Right? We have to examine our own heart. An example of that would be what's happening in Israel. Maybe you find it easier to pray for the people of Israel, but I can guarantee you there's Palestinian Christians and there's Palestinians that are, that are looking for God, right? And that are seeking after God. They want solutions. They want answers. Um, they are worthy of our prayers just as much as the Jewish peoples that have had all the revelation but have still rejected God. Both groups of people are worthy of our, of our prayers, that they may come to know Christ. Paul wrestles with that. We were even talking about that in youth group, how um, Paul wrestled with that. He wrestled that his own people had rejected the gospel message, and now God was sending him to the Gentiles. And he says, you know what? I'd be willing to give my own salvation up if it meant that all Jewish people could come to Christ. Would you be willing to go that far in your prayers, saying, God, Cut me out of the plan of salvation if it means that other people could come to know you and enjoy the hope of heaven.
I'll give up my chances at heaven so that others... That's pretty strong, isn't it? But Paul was so committed to them. So we want to pray for all people. Now, but then we need to get a little more specific. We pray for kings. So there's some nations in the world that still have kings, right? Um, England, right? Is there, is there any others? There's probably, I know there's more than others that have kings. We could put presidents in there, uh, governors, uh, those that are leading nations. And Paul does not qualify the statement. In other words, he says, pray for kings. That doesn't mean if they're a good king or a bad king, um, if they're a religious king or a non-religious king. He says, pray for kings, those in authority, right? Pray for them. Well, you know what? I can't pray for this one because, you know, they, they're not the same political party as me. Therefore, I'm not going to pray for them, right? Or I'll pray for them because they're part of my political party, right? I don't know if they had political parties. I think they did uh, back in Paul's day. And think about it. Paul is asking them to pray for a lot. Of, the Roman government dominated much of that known world that Paul ministered in at that time. And often the Roman government was not friendly to the Christian faith. And uh, our son showed us pictures. They were in Italy and they were at the Colosseum. They got a tour of the Colosseum. You know, it's one of the landmarks of Rome, right? But there's a lot of Christians that died in those Colosseums that were defenseless. They were tore apart by lions and other things because of their faith, right? Um, And yet Paul says, pray for the kings that are over you. Pray for them. You know, and so whether you like our president or if you do or don't, he is to be prayed for, right? Um, Our governor and things like that. Um, Pray that they come to know Christ if they don't know Christ. Pray that they'd have wisdom to lead our nation. Um, Pray for them. And then he also says, pray for those in authority. So that would definitely would include kings and presidents and things, but it also would include maybe different levels of gover- government, such as our governors. Maybe it's even in our society, mayors and um, those that we work with. They are definitely people, maybe our supervisors. We pray for people in authority, um, those that are above us. Pray for them, who they are. Pray that they come to know Christ. Pray for the needs in, in their own life. And I think as believers, sometimes we underestimate the power of our prayers to influence ungodly world leaders and nations. Do you, when you come before God, believe that your prayers have the power to change things that are happening on the other side of the world, even in the lives of ungodly rulers? If you don't think that God can move in that way, we need to look at the the book of Daniel. And even just as those Hebrew uh, Israelites were taken from Jerusalem into Babylon, a totally heathen nation that destroyed and wiped out their nation, they influenced those leaders. Nebuchadnezzar eventually came to a place where he believed in God. Um, and, and through the life of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these kings would see the power of God through their life, even though it meant that they maybe had to be thrown into a fiery furnace first and realize, oh, that didn't touch them. They must be, their God must be real, right? Or thrown into a lion's den and not devoured. It's kind of like, you know what? There's only one God that can save like that, and it's the God of Daniel. 
um, they were able to influence a very ungodly nation through their prayer and through how they lived their life. And I, and I think as believers, we cannot underestimate the power of our prayers for our nation and for our world, all right? I think we need to take Paul's words seriously and do not simply pray for immediate needs in our life, but to pray for the world around us. And I, th- I'm just going to be honest, that's sometimes where I, I'll have my prayer list and it maybe includes immediate family and some of those things. And I stop short of maybe praying for those in authority. I stop short of praying for the needs of the world around me. You know, your prayer, you turn on the news for 10, 15, 30 minutes, and you have your prayer list there, right? Yeah, just write them down and just kind of, that's what you need to be praying about, right? Praying for the things that are happening in our world. You know, you can let it make you anxious, become anxious, right? Or you can come before God and say, God, um, I'm lifting up our world to you. I'm lifting up this. I'm lifting up that before you. I think as believers, we need to take Paul's words seriously. Why? It comes to the why. Why should we do this? Prayer furthers God's purposes in a couple different ways. First of all, it leads to quiet and peaceful lives. How many want to live a quiet and peaceful life? Right? Right? Paul says, hey, pray for the people in authority. Pray for your king's because it will lead to a quiet and peaceful lives. They didn't want to be hauled off to jail. They didn't want to have their property confiscated. They didn't want to be persecuted. And Paul says, pray for those in an authority over you, that you can live quiet and peaceful lives. So I mentioned the people, the captives that were taken from on Jerusalem. So that happens under Nebuchadnezzar, 722 B.C., if, you want, if you're a history person. And Nebuchadnezzar comes in, devastates Jerusalem. Um, the captives, many are killed, but, and some are left there. Others are taken back to Babylon. So that is where Daniel would live most of his life. He was a young lad. He's taken there. Ezekiel would be a priest. He would be there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they took the best and the brightest. They took back to Babylon to indoctrinate them and involve them in their government. All right? And this is what Jeremiah, God says through Jeremiah the prophet. This is uh, chapter 29, verses 4 through 7. It's that same passage that talks about, for, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord's plan to prosper you and, and all that. We like to quote that. It's the same passage here. But this is what he says in verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. He says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build homes, houses, and settle down. Plant gardens, Eat what they pro- produce. Um, and, and just a little bit of backdrop. There was false prophets that saying, hey, you're going to go there and you're going to be back the next year. And Jeremiah says, hey, get comfortable because you're not going to be there for a year. You're going to be there for 70 years. Okay? Verse 6, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase uh, in their number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you also will prosper. You understand what God's asking them to do? Pray for the people that have destroyed your city, that have killed your family and your relatives, and maybe loved ones. Pray for the people that have hauled you all the way here away from your homeland. Pray for them. Pray for their peace and prosperity. 
Do you think that was a little bit of a stretch for them to pray for their enemies? Isn't that what they were? But Paul's, Jeremiah says, if you pray for them for peace and prosperity, you not only will they prosper, but who else will prosper? You will prosper. And God did. God would prosper them. Daniel would be raised up to one of the high positions in the land of Babylon. Then it would be transferred over to Persia. There'd be a takeover there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would be placed high in leadership positions. Um, and even Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king, right? Doesn't seem like a very, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm the cupbearer for the king, right? Doesn't seem like an important position, right? But it was, really, because you would taste all the food and the wine that was going to go before the king, right? And if you didn't fall over, the king would eat it, right? Right? Um, it was a pretty important job, and the, the king had to trust you. And there was such a relationship between Nehemiah and the king of Persia that he would release him to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And he would grant him favor. He would give him basically an open checkbook that they could get materials and rebuild. Um, and God was with them. God gave them favor even in a place um, where they had been taken as captives um, and hauled off. Pray for the peace and prosperity of our nation. You know, I, we can sometimes turn on the news and we can look at the paper and we can blame our leaders. Um, it's not hard to do sometimes, right? And then, then that's fine. But then ask the question, have I been praying for my governor? Have I been praying for my president? Have I been praying for those in authority? And if you haven't been praying for them, then I think I would just be a little bit gracious in the criticism because if I haven't been doing my part, then I take some of the blame there. You hear me? It's easy to criticize folks, but if we haven't been doing our part and praying for our nation and for our, um, those in authority, we bear some of the blame because we are not doing what God has called us to do as the people of God, to pray and seek God's face. And then Paul says there's one other group of people that is all that um, we want to pray for quiet and peaceful lives, but also the other outcome is that all people may come to know Jesus. There's that all people again, right? that they all may come to know Jesus. The neighbor across the street, my family member that has walked away from God, um, the person at work that I really can't stand, the person on the other part of our state, nation, world. You know, America's becoming more diverse all the time, right? God is bringing us, and I've preached on this before, God is bringing us the world. We used to have to send out missionaries, and we still are. But you, you can be a missionary just being where you are at in Crete, Lincoln, Seward, Friend, Wilbur. Because the, the world's coming to us, folks. And you can be a missionary just right where you are planted and sharing Christ with the world around you. Take that moment to realize those aren't just people that are coming and going. They are people that need Christ, right? And if God has put them in your life for whatever way, maybe you work with them, maybe you go to school with them, uh, maybe you see them, place a business, God's put them in your life. Pray for them that they may come to know Christ as their Lord and their Savior. 
there again, if there's anything that's more important, it is prayer. And uh, that's one of the things as a pastor, sometimes I find out, so how did you end up at Radio Springs Church? You know, what's your story? And it's just interesting to see how prayer, usually people that come to Christ, there was somebody that was praying, maybe it was a grandma, maybe it was a grandpa. There was somebody that was praying for them that they may come to know Christ. Um, and so pray that they may come to know Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the musicians come up. Uh, a week and a half ago, I went to that prayer center in Springfield, Missouri. Um, it's something that our assistant superintendent for our, our uh, n- nation, uh, I think it was something that God kind of birthed in his own heart. He had this dream vision, and so he tried to replicate it. And basically, it's like a 20-foot by 20-foot LED screen. It's just these LED panels on the floor. And Theo, there's some pictures there, so um, you can show the one. So one of the first places we prayed for, uh, you can see what is that in the center there. Can you pick that out? That's a pancake. (laughs) kind of looks like a pancake. It's the dome of the rock, right? Yeah. You're you're in Jerusalem there, and so we... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we prayed for Jerusalem, you know, and just um, with all the tensions there, there's so much hatred, and in that hatred, sometimes we lose the fact that there's real people there. They need to know Christ, right? Whether they're Jewish, whether they're Palestinian, they need to know Christ, um, and even in the, the midst of war and all that, God can still be working. I think the church needs to be ready to do, to do that. So we prayed for that. We prayed for Ukraine and Russia. That was one of the other places we prayed for. This looks like, uh, go back to that other one there, Theo. Um, so that, can you pick that out? That is the, that's the White House and the Capitol. Um, just Washington, D.C. So we just prayed for our nation and for our leaders. And then the next one, Theo, is uh, just our state. That's the one that I kind of, uh, uh, just as I prayed for our state um, and for Crete in our area, uh, just praying that uh, God would just raise up people to come to know Christ. And then I prayed for our communities. Uh, all people. You know, I don't know if you've ever gotten to God in prayer and said, man, I don't know what to pray about. Well, all people, you can go on praying for a long time. And when we went to the prayer center, they did the morning, they kind of spent time in teaching. And then they, we did the, the actual praying and stuff in the afternoon. Um, but they just shared some of the great revivalists that are part of our church history. David, uh, Leonard Ravenhill, I don't know if you've heard his name kind of a revivalist, but he would be up at four o'clock in the morning, pray until, until noon or one o'clock. He wouldn't take appointments until after that. He would dedicate that time to prayer and just the study of God's word. And, um, and as a result, their lives and their ministries reflected that time in prayer. And I think sometimes we want to see results that Jesus had, Right? Um, but we know that Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places and he would pray. He would seek the face of God. Uh, 
This is what James says, the brother of Jesus. He says, is any among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is any happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. That's why we, when we pray for people up front and we anoint with oil, it's based upon this passage. They've sinned, they will be forgiven. If we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other, you will be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is what? What is it? Put up the next one there, Theo. Uh, Go back, you're too far ahead. There we go. 15. Uh, Yeah, it should be 16. Okay, go to 16. There we go. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So that's not NIV. Um, That must be new living. But the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You believe that? Do you believe that when you come before God that you're not shooting a BB gun, but you're shooting a howitzer, right? You're shooting a, a big cannon. That's the power of your prayers. And I think sometimes as believers, we come before God and it's kind of like, wow, you know, am I, do my prayers matter? Do, are they even effective? Are they making a difference? And I think the lie of the enemy is that, yeah, I know your prayers don't matter. See, you prayed and God didn't answer your prayer. But James reminds us that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. He gives the example of Elijah. He was a human being, even as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for how long? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. I just read this passage this week. It's that same passage where he's on this... Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal and they have this showdown between the prophets of Baal and Asherah and, and the God of Israel and you know they do their best to do this sacrifice and have it consumed by fire nothing happens. Elijah says now it's my turn after they took all day and he, he prepares a sacrifice and he even goes a step further he douses it in water and he prays to God and it's consumed by fire right and then he kills all the prophets of Baal and Asherah uh, pretty dramatic story. Um, but it hadn't rained for three and a half years. And it says then he gets on his knees. He puts his head between his knees. To me, that's a pretty good symbol that it was a pretty earnest prayer. And he prays. And he tells his assistant, is there any sign of rain? He says no. So he does it again. I think it's like seven times. He prays earnestly. Finally, he goes, yeah, there's a, there's a cloud out there the size of a fist. He goes, well, tell Ahab to get back to Jerusalem. Rain's coming. And the rain comes because now he prayed. And God then opened up the heavens and sent forth rain. Prayers that move heaven and earth. Elijah did it, right? Elijah did it. And I believe our prayers can too.
We're just human beings. But God has called us to pray and to seek His face. And I think there's, um, there's definitely been times in our world where um, things have been, they need prayer more. This is one of those times. I think it's just uh, our, our world needs our prayers, folks. Our nation needs our prayer. Our communities need our prayers. Just the, even just our gospel witness in our communities is so dependent upon just the prayers of God's people because our prayers are powerful and effective. Amen? Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Would you stand this morning? Lord, this morning we come before you. And one prayer we didn't talk about is just the prayer of salvation. Lord God, you promised that if, if we don't know you as our Lord and our Savior, that if we confess our sins and we come before you and believe with our heart and confess you with our mouth that you are Lord, we will be saved. And if we're listening this morning or if we're here, God, you promised to come and to answer that prayer and to give us the gift of salvation, the hope of heaven. And Lord God, we also just, uh, I just pray for each of us here, Lord God. I how much time is enough to be spent in prayer? I, I don't know the answer to that question. I know that in our most meaningful relationships here on earth, we don't qualify them by time. We don't say, yeah, I spent two hours with my wife or my husband this week or yesterday. We spend time with them. It, it, it's because we enjoy being with them, with our best friend. And Lord God, that is, I believe, what is supposed to be with you, Lord. I, I don't know how much is enough and how much we should. All I know is that we need to pray until we come before your throne, until we know that we've spent time with you and that we've prayed about the things that you've placed upon our heart. Um, and just as my mom used to say is that they had that term that she would pray through. It's a term that they would use that they prayed until they sensed the peace of God and that their prayer had been heard and that um, they know they had come before the throne of God and that God had heard their prayer. And Lord God, maybe that's, maybe that's the, the litmus test that we pray until we know that we've prayed through and that we've come before God and God's heard our prayer, that we have peace in our heart. Regardless of what's happening around us, we've come before a holy and awesome God. And we've brought heaven down to earth and into our world. And so, Lord God, uh, we worship you this morning. We give you the praise and the glory. Challenge us. Shape and mold us, God. Call us to those times of coming before you. In your name we pray, amen.